Ooh. I think that's that Andy Brickley music. Unless I'm mistaken. Uh, Sunday Skate. We're taking your venom. We see the calls continuing to come in. Jay and Peter. Uh, we promise we'll get to you within minutes. But uh, first, we must talk to uh, the great Andy Brickley of Nesson. And I guess we'll start with Andy uh, with a, a bit of breaking news in the the hockey world. What are we seeing on the on the Twitter sphere about Pavel Datsuk? He uh, is going to be leaving the Red Wings after the playoffs. So the Atlantic Division just continues to get easier and easier. Yet somehow, Brick, the Bruins couldn't find their way in. Uh, how do you explain what has happened with this Boston Bruins team? I haven't been able to explain the Bruins at all this year. You know, for, for all of us that are around them on a daily basis, uh, get to see them practice, certainly play their games. Uh, to try to figure this team out and wrap your hands or your head around, you know, why they play the way they do when they play well and when they don't. And I could find no consistency, no real thread to to explain why we get what we get against Detroit and why we got what we got yesterday afternoon. Brick, how do you fix it? Um, you need to make a couple of major moves. You've got to address what's going on on the blue line, and that has to be a major move. And you have to adjust the core because they lack leadership. They lack any kind of identity. Uh, they lack physical and mental toughness, and that's got to come from your leadership group. Uh, and I think that's what has to happen. And I know everybody's going to be pointing and focused on the coach, and that's certainly up for debate and arguable. I'm just not a fan of the of the coaching turnover rate in the National Hockey League. This guy's a quality coach. I think if you give him a better roster, uh, he'll reward you with not only playoffs, but, you know, a team that could challenge. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Which, uh, which member of this core would you, would you cut? Well, that's when you got to start looking at contracts, movement, what's allowed, what's not, who's got the, you know, who's got the clauses that say, you know, I can only go certain teams. Um, you know, I like a team that has strength down the middle, yet you have to take a look at your number two sentiment, David Krejci. Uh, what is Chara's future in Boston? What is Seidenberg's future in Boston? I think uh, when you start looking at those kinds of players and those kinds of names, you know, now you're into some pretty interesting discussions. Uh, Brick, you mentioned the, the Claude thing. I'm wondering, as a, a former player, um, and most current and former players that y- you hear talk about this stuff, they always say, it's not the coach's job to motivate a team. Uh, when you hear that these issues being thrown on the coach, as a player or as a guy who played, are you like, I think we're capable of a little more than that? I think uh, a part of a coach's job is to motivate. You know, you would like to think professional athletes making the kind of money that they make, uh, the fact that they're playing in the best league in the world, and uh, there should be some kind of some kind of pressure to not only maintain your ice time, but to maintain your job should be motivation enough. That being said, I still think a real good coach has the ability, and you hear that phrase, push the right buttons, but we'll just keep it at the right times to be able to motivate your players to make sure that you're getting the most and the best out of them, whether they're battling injury, something personal is going on, or just in a slump, and you're trying to get them to find their game. I think that's part of the coaching equation. Uh, but to say, you know, it's the coach's fault that a team comes out flat in a big game, I think that's that's too simple an explanation. I think we, we can all agree, as a lot of people do, Brick, that Claude should not get fired, that uh, he, he is a, a very good coach, one of the best in the league, and he has been for quite some time. 
if and when they do make that decision, um, one, how quickly do you think Claude will get a job elsewhere? And two, you know, who do the Bruins bring in to replace him? Well, I think number one, uh, Claude would be, he would certainly get off his, in, in immediate fashion, whether he would want to step away for a year, which some guys like to do. Uh, it depends on his contract. What, he has one more year uh, on a contract? I think this is one of three. This is, yeah, he has two years left. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and it all depends on what he would want to do if this was the case, if this was the scenario. Um, obviously, speculation would lead you to, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, whatever they decide to do. I think he would be a popular choice in both those places. But sometimes you want to step back. Sometimes you have some physical issues that you want to take care of. Sometimes you just like to, uh, you know, take that breather from the game and recharge and just sit back and collect. Uh, It all depends on what what close desires are. But I don't think that's a a conversation that, that needs to be had right now. I think the bigger conversation is when you take a look at this organization, guys, you know, what wins in the National Hockey League and where are your priorities when you're trying to put your roster together? And before you even start talking about contracts and money and developing players and what's in the system and, and your roster in general, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in what they believe wins and do you have what it takes to win? Where do you put values on speed, skill, size, toughness, whether that's physical or mental? How do you construct your defense? Do you want it to be more defenders than they are puck movers? You know, do you need that strength in the middle that we mentioned earlier? And then what do you believe wins? And then let's talk about what Boston needs to do in order to improve what they've showed us this year. So my answer to that question, and uh, I played the game not at, at, at quite a competitive level, <laughs> so I'm far more interested in your thoughts on this than mine. But my answer to what do you think wins, I would say you build from defense out and you try to be a team that gets the puck up the ice well and stays in the offensive zone for quite a while. Wouldn't everybody like that? Uh, my question then from there becomes, with this group of def- defensemen that, that the Bruins did have, did Claude Julien overachieve with this team by having them in the playoff discussion for the entire season? I don't know if overachieve is the right word. I think he did a good job coaching. Um, and, and I generally, when I answer those types of questions, when teams don't make the playoffs, uh, said the same thing last year. I put it more on the players than I do what the coaches do. The coaches give them the opportunity. They they prepare them. They they make sure they're in shape. They give them a game plan. And and, and the one thing that we saw when the Bruins didn't play well was there's just not enough intelligence. You know, where the decision-making, and you hear that phrase a lot, too, when mm. they don't win and when they don't play well. You know, it's decision-making, then it's execution. You know, sometimes you just don't have the skill level. They have enough skill level to be a playoff team, and then it's the decision-making of the players, and it's it's almost inexplicable I mean, Adam McQuaid, who is a who's a good asset for this team. You like that kid. You want him in your five six as far as a defense pair. Some of the decisions he made yesterday. I'm just using him as a one example. Was just beyond belief. You know, a guy that should keep it simple and high percentage plays and be a physical guy and defend and protect the front of the net. You know, he's handing the puck away. Kevin Miller's handing the puck away. You know, they can't make a decision to make a play. Are they overthinking it? Do they have the mental capacity to play in big games when, when they need to play their best? Those are the things that I think need to be addressed more so than, you know, than, uh, you know are they good enough to play, you know? So if, if, if you're looking at the blue line, that certainly has to change. It needs to get, it needs to get more skilled, number one. But I think when we started this conversation, you know, how do you, how do you fix the Bruins? And, and it's going to be two major moves, and that's one area that they need to get 
much more skilled at is the ability to to make decisions and make plays coming out of the road end. Do you think uh, do you think there's a an identity crisis with the state of this team? And uh, if so, would you lean more towards blowing it up, uh, quote unquote, blowing it up, or uh, towards getting whatever pieces you think are necessary to make a, a deep run next year? Yeah, I don't believe in blowing it up. I, I, I think there's some pretty good assets on this roster. Uh, I think there are guys that will have better years that will still be Bruins next season. Uh, but, they, again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, we've watched it all year long. When, when you don't make plays coming out of your own zone, you're not going to win. I was amazed and really impressed what they did against Detroit. And I know Detroit played the night before, and, and Detroit's not a great team. And we've we've talked all year about the East and how how vanilla it can be. But they moved the puck. Every defenseman would would get space and then create a passing lane and deliver a pass. It's just not there on a consistent basis. No matter how you try to coach them up, it just has to be innate to some degree. And you got to see the play and create the play. And you can try to teach that all you can, but you got to have the guys that can do it. And and I think both Don Sweeney and Cam Nearly are well aware of that, and that's the move that, that I'll be waiting to see happens this summer. Do you think they will fire Claude? Wow, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. In, in break, and we're talking with Andy Brickley uh, from Nesson. Uh, in break, when you talk about you know coaching, I mean, obviously there's a difference between uh, teaching and coaching, and I think, at least in my opinion, that Claude was almost forced to do a lot more teaching uh, this season. Uh, do you agree with that? And, and you know, if so, how how does that affect the product on the ice? Absolutely, he had to do more coaching this year than in years past. You know, I mean, I hate to think back to 2011 and how good that team was, but uh, and you talk about lack of leadership. But you know, I, I know Chara Bergeron, Rask are the leaders of this team, and they're good leaders. But they're more, they're more. You know, I'll show you on the ice what I do and how I play, and that's how I lead. You know, there's no Recky, there's no Ferrance, there's no Font, there's no Lucic, there's no Boychuk. You know, where's the personality? Where's the toughness? Where's where's that that gang of leaders that you need when things aren't going well? Uh, you know, that's the type of team I think everybody in Boston wants to see. You know, that, that competitive team, the team that takes the body every chance it's there. Uh, we talked about a transi- transition season this year where they're trying to get a little faster, more pace to their game, more skill. Well, now you're somewhere in between, and you get what you get. And uh, and I know that they're trying to develop players, and, and, and they have a vision. It's just that vision needs to be accelerated, and it needs to uh, improve because – you cannot go three years without postseason in Boston. Uh, Pete uh, raised this question earlier, Brick, and I, I wrote about it on WEI.com. Uh, do you think there was enough development from all those guys that that the, the Colin Millers of the world have, have made the the leaps that you thought, or at least they thought they were going to make? Because, I mean, the way I see it, you go to the traded line and you, go, you trade for veteran wings and defensemen, it's saying to me, maybe we're not too sure of, of what these guys are going to be. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, was there enough? If that's the question, I guess the answer has to be no. Mm. And, and that's that's partly on, you know, the coaching staff, and it's probably on the players themselves. Uh, you know, Spooner developed, but you saw on the big stage and the big games, you know, that he just doesn't have enough compete and enough jam, you know, to the point where you'd like that he's going to win more battles you know, in a third-line center position. I mean, that was always such an advantage for Boston when they had a strong third Absolutely. line. They used to get a lot of mismatches. 
not the case this year. And and, and I'm not so, so much looking at it for Toronto or Colin Miller as far as the development. I'm looking more like Connolly and Hayes. I mean, those are yeah. players that really took major steps backwards this year. They needed to be much better than they were, and, and that's where the fault lies. And, and when you think about that depth at the forward position, I mean, that was such a, a, a deep hole for the coaching staff when you didn't really – I mean, they had to go out and get at least that back at the trade deadline. That should tell you enough right there what was going on with this team. That's where the failure was when you develop – when you look at and develop what you think are established NHL guys to some degree – and you don't really get enough production, even close to enough production, or enough good play uh, from those types of players. I think that's ultimately uh, what was a big part of Boston's problem this year. All right, Brick, I'm going to ask you to be a capologist here just because you mentioned Jimmy Hayes. Um, <laughs> $2.3 million per year for three years. Um, probably the worst contract that, that Sweeney ha- has signed thus, thus far as a, a Bruins GM. Uh, if you were to buy him out, it's $816,667 against the cap for the next four years. Seidenberg is $4 million against the cap the next two years. If you're to buy him out, it's $1.66 million against the cap for the next four years. Would you explore buying anybody out with this team? Sure, absolutely. You'd be absolutely. okay with having the dead money. I mean, they had the money this year, the dead money with Lucic, obviously, but they figured that would be a one-time thing and they could move on. But you'd, you'd be cool with having some dead money. Yes. Simple answer is yes. And and my focus, again, uh, I've mentioned it twice already in the conversation, is the blue line. And if I have to eat some money in order to address that, I need to address it this off season and not wait any longer. Good stuff, Brick. Awesome. Um, all right, Brick, we appreciate it as always. A very honest, a very knowledgeable, always telling Brick. Uh, thank you for joining us, Brick. Have a, a great morning, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Always great to talk to you guys. All right. Thanks, thanks Brick. Brick. That's Andy Brickley. This is Sunday Skate on WEI.com. Keep calling 617-779-7937. Jay and Peter, we promise you are up next.